Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic, cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. Retweet us. Share us on Facebook. This too is helpful. If you haven't yet given us a five-star review, pause this recording, and go and do so. There are many of you who have given us glowing, fawning feedback, and there are fewer five-star ratings than, um, than those of you who have given us glowing feedback. So rate us. Follow us on Twitter at, at @clergylay, and join our Facebook discussion group. Kirk, uh, is it too much to ask to, for our listeners to maybe invent a new social media platform and then share it there? Is that too much to ask? <laughs> I, I'm sure we have an entrepreneur or three <laughs> in, in our audience. Let's yeah. let's do a weird Christian clubhouse. How about that? Ooh, I like it. I like it. Um, I, it makes me feel feel old. Um, I'm feeling a sense of uh, weary fatigue as I as I climb the mountain of a new social media platform. But for you, I'm game. Uh, I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother Chris, a priest and a techie entrepreneur on the side, it seems. Chris, how are you? I'm great, Kirk. Uh, I would not call myself a techie entrepreneur. I was just saying, I know. Uh, can our fans do this? Our fans, we don't have fans, we have listeners. Uh, and it's been too long since I've inter- interrupted you during your introduction, so I th- thought I'd- Your interruptions are one of your great spiritual gifts, I have to say. Indeed, indeed. If Paul were to write me an epistle, he would cite that as a spiritual gift. Stir, stir, oh, people, new? You stir people to self-awareness <laughs> what's, with your what's timely new? interruptions. What's new in the Shire, Kirk? Uh, what's new is uh, baseball season officially kicked off for two of my boys, for George and for Simon. Uh, and by, by that, I don't mean Shady Data League, which has been going on forever, honestly, since um, uh, the Sunday. Well, for one child since New Year's Day, for another child since the Sunday uh, after the Super Bowl, um, that was all indoor because we are above the Mason-Dixon line, not the baseball hotbed of Texas or California or Georgia. Um, but I'm talking about Rec League. I'm talking about good old-fashioned Little League, Christopher. And Tuesday night, George had his first game. And uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with the first pitch, it was sunny, 60 degrees, a gentle breeze. And by I looked at my phone. And by 8.12, our final pitch, Christopher, it was 41 degrees with 16 degree wind, 60 mile an hour winds, um, and a wind chill of 35 degrees. And um, <laughs> we had kids who were doing push-ups, like third baseman who was doing push-ups between pitches just to like keep the blood flowing. George at shortstop was doing uh, jumping jacks. 
um, a new front moved in. And uh, the next morning you said you saw the pictures of snow we had. Um, but but that's that's not that's not um, that is not the that is not the most notable thing that we had happen. Um, an absurd beginning to the baseball season. Um, our van. Our van, our, our trusty Honda Odyssey, Christopher, and I know you love how trustworthy Honda Odysseys are. They're bulletproof. They're bulletproof. We got another check engine light. Oh, no. So I called and I took it into our guy. We got a guy. It's good to have a guy, right? Everyone needs a guy. Everyone needs a guy. We got a guy. So I called the guy, brought it into the guy. And uh, I mean, gals are great, too. I mean, it's not a guy girl <laughs> thing. It's, it's, it's just got to have your guy or gal. Right. You got to have your mechanic. And brought it in, and I I did the lazy thing where uh, I was going to bring it in, and then Kim was going to bring it in, and we kind of played um, mechanic chicken, and no one brought the van in. And uh, you know you know where our mechanic is is what I would say probably equivalent of a five or six block walk from our house. So at five forty five a.m. on Tuesday morning, I drove the van. To- to the uh, to the the mechanic, and I put the key in the Dropbox, and then I I, uh, I jogged back home, and uh, I guess I'm not out enough in the mornings, like early mornings, um, in the neighborhood to kind of I've lost touch with some of the happenings uh, amongst the early morning risers, like the early dog walkers and maybe some people who have some strange morning habits. But as I was, uh, I um, I Kirk, my anticipation, I am on. <laughs> the edge of my seat to figure out like what the odd like morning <laughs> happening that you encountered is okay so as i'm jogging down uh, <laughs> this particular avenue uh, like three blocks from my house um there is a man on a stepladder outside his house um and i i didn't realize this house um has a morning ritual of of um putting out their flag um, because I, I noticed last night, I was very curious now, I drove past this house um, at 9 p.m. and the flag was taken down. So it might be like a, like a dawn to dusk thing. Interesting. Uh, but this is not like a Vietnam veteran. This was not like a 67-year-old man. Um, I, this man had to be under 30. Uh, and uh, and he, he, he put the, the, the flag, he put the flag up and... Uh, And as the flag is sliding into kind of the, the, the brace that holds it up at a 45 degree angle so that it may elegantly and reverently drape over his lawn, um, he began singing in, I would can only describe a lusty Broadway voice, the national anthem. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, kind of like, a, like, a, like, like not operatically, like not, oh, oh say, but like, but I, 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 can't, I can't capture it. And um I could, I couldn't like, I, I felt like, do I, do I stop? Do I, do I stand at attention? Do I like put my hand over my heart? So he just like awkwardly like jogged on past, not looking at him. <laughs> and he continued like uh, undaunted by, um, by the presence of like this dude running down the street. Yeah. 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 So yeah. this is, this is before 6am. He's used to not having an audience, but uh, interesting. So, so I love it. Yeah. But so there's this whole generational thing where, um, right. The youth are incapable of sincerity, everything, all is irony and like the, uh, layers and layers and layers of irony. I, I, I couldn't Not tell this it's ironic. I couldn't tell. Yeah. I mean, Kirk, nobody gets up before 6am 
and raises a flag and sings the Star Spangled Banner ironically. Come yeah, on. I mean, and like it was um like that's a lot of effort. Like there's not that much effort in in irony. It was like B B plus. Like uh, I mean, like he wouldn't be um maybe you know the the first guy on Broadway, but he's not like some schlub either. You know. <laughs> <laughs> So this has just been with me all week. I just smile, you know. That is fascinating, Kirk. People I mean, are endlessly fascinating. Indeed, yeah. Oh, uh, I didn't share this with you. Oh, and across the street, there's a there's like a little boutique shop um, and the small business owner. And there's this lady in her van, like unloading a bunch of dresses and like opening it. And like, so I'm like, is she, is he, does he not like her? Is he trolling her by like doing something weird? Is she just used to this? Like there didn't seem to be any interaction between the two of them. They both were going about their business as if like, this is normal. It's all normal situation. Normal. Kirk, may may I uh, suggest something for you? Suggest tomorrow tomorrow morning, wake up at the same time and present a peace offering to them. Shout to them. It's a pound of yeast, <laughs> and present them with them a pound of yeast. Well, I have less than a pound of yeast now. Okay, because I've well, used some. Half a pound. You could spare it. <laughs> I could spare it. Do you? I, do you? What's been up with you? Um, I'm excited about today's gospel reading. Um, I think it's a good one, Kirk. It is a good one. Let's move to it. Really, you're not gonna do a good, like speaking of good things. I you you're wrong for me. You, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You it's it's quite all right. Let's move on to the gospel. <laughs> This week's gospel reading comes from John chapter 10, verses 11 through 16. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you're a longtime listener to this podcast you will already know that the gospel of John is a different sort of gospel. We've talked about how Matthew, Mark, and Luke are fairly similar in chronology and content. And each of these gospel writers had different styles and emphasized different things, but John is doing something else entirely. We've mentioned how there's no birth story in John, that we instead have this prologue that goes all the way back to the very beginning of the universe when God created the heavens and the earth and said that in the beginning with the Father and the Spirit, 
was the son. And not only was he there, but the son is this divine logos, this divine logic of God. And uh, John is different. He doesn't have a, a birth story, but he also doesn't have, an, for instance, an institution of the Lord's Supper. But instead, in John chapter 6, he has this teaching, I am the bread of life. And we've talked about how uh, this gospel of John is built around these seven signs, seven miracles, which he calls signs, and seven I am statements. And today's gospel reading contains one of those I am statements, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So when Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd, he's saying more than he is the good shepherd. So Jesus is saying something beyond saying that he is this good shepherd. He is uh, saying something profound about his identity. So if we rewind way back to Exodus chapter three, when God first comes to Moses in the burning bush, uh, so this is Exodus chapter three, verses 13 and 14. Uh, it says, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. So Jesus is saying, that God that you worship, that God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt, Jesus, when he says, I am the good shepherd, he's saying, I am that God in the flesh. So he's saying something about himself, but he's also telling us something about his nature, about the nature of God, that uh, he is the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. So we have all this imagery in the Gospels to uh, describe the nature uh, of Jesus. Uh, I remember the old hymn of the Lion of Judah, meek as a lamb. Um, so it's interesting how even when we have these contrasting things of, of he is both fierce but also meek. Um, Jesus isn't just a shepherd, but he is a shepherd. So uh, first, uh, what do uh, shepherds do? Shepherds protect sheep, ultimately, and uh, ulti uh, a shepherd would be tasked with maybe perhaps a whole village's sheep. Not necessarily, no one was really wealthy in those days. That No one had like a lot of sheep. Oftentimes, a shepherd would, would make a living by, by watching sheep from many different uh, owners. But um, protecting sheep involves protection from predators. If you remember uh, King David, back before he was a king, how... Uh, he had honed his skills with a sling uh, by, by uh, he could kill bears and lions uh, with his sling, put stones in a sling, swinging around, killing uh, these predators and protecting the sheep. Uh, but also a uh, shepherd protects sheep from themselves. Um, the shepherd's crook, that little curve on the end of it is shaped that way because they use that to rescue sheep who are stuck. And like, if you look uh, on YouTube, you can find videos of shepherds using that crook to rescue sheep from cracks, um, like who have fallen into crevasses. And, and, um, but also, uh, this is a particularly good image uh, that uh, the listener may not want to hear about them. And all we like sheep have gone astray, everyone mm -hmm. to each, uh, everyone to his own way, uh, Isaiah tells us. Um, Another way that, that shepherds use their, their crook is to whack the sheep in the head. 
to guide them. Like as we are uh, lost sheep, as we are like wandering from the path, the Lord may strike us in a painful way that corrects our direction. Um, and this can be painful at times, but uh, ultimately it is a, it is a grace uh, filled thing that the Lord does. So, so, so Jesus is saying he is a shepherd, but he's more than just a shepherd. He is the good shepherd. Mm, mm-hmm. And the text itself tells us why the, he is the good shepherd and why that's different from uh, the hired hand. He's saying like, so he, he says uh, in other places in these I am statements, he says like, I am the true light. I am the true vine. I am true manna. As in like, he is the, he's contrasting his nature uh, which is eternal to this sort of temporal and perhaps a failed type. So we talk about types and shadows. Uh, in this case, he's not saying I am the true shepherd. He is saying something a little bit different. He's saying I am the good shepherd. And we see exactly what he's contrasting the good shepherd to that the good shepherd uh, who is contrasted to the hired hand who cares nothing for the sheep where Jesus loves us. He knows us and he loves us. And we know his voice and we hear his voice. We, when we hear it, we know it. And he knows us by like, there's this mutual recognition and love. Um, but the, he's saying the hired hand, he doesn't care about the sheep. He's there for the money, for the paycheck. He's he All he cares about is punching the clock, punching in, punching out, getting his paycheck. And he's saying, no, uh, I am the, the good shepherd. I will lay down my life for the, the sheep. The image that came to mind as you talk about the hired hand who doesn't care is uh, in every movie where there's a heist, there's always the security guard <laughs> with his headphones on and his feet up, like, He's just catching, catching the paycheck, right? Like his yeah. heart isn't in the business or the museum that he's protect, uh, like supposedly um, like protecting, right? That's a good image, Kirk. Yeah. I mean, it's a great, it's a great Hollywood trope, right? I love it. Yeah. 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 But Jesus, he says, uh, in contrast to the, that hired hand, the security guard with his feet up, just collecting paycheck. Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. So I want to make a point about this. We've talked in the past about theories of, of the atonement. What we've tried to emphasize is that any single one theory on its own is incomplete. Uh, and here's one example. So Jesus was a moral example for us. However, there are some who point to Jesus' atonement simply as moral exemplar, that he lays down his life um, as a, like a way of, of showing us a better way. But to say that Christ's death, death is simply and solely a sacrificial example is in conflict with texts like this, as well as like the whole book of Hebrews, and as well as like, I don't know, like roughly a third of the New Testament, which refers to other notions uh, beyond uh, moral example. Here's the thing, Kirk. A dead shepherd does nothing for his sheep. A dead shepherd means death for his sheep, right? Yeah. There's no protection if, if you lay down your life for your sheep. So just as Jesus is, is continuing this, this uh, metaphor of him being the good shepherd, of his, um, in contrast to the hired hand, uh, in everything that a shepherd is, he's also kind of moving on from that metaphor by saying, I will die for you in a propitiatory sense. Like, I'm going to lay down my life for my sheep. 
He's referring to his work on the cross so that we can be reconciled to the Father. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. And so when we say this, like Jesus does many things. He's both the shepherd and the lamb, right? And even yeah. in this passage in John chapter, uh, in verse seven of chapter 10, he, he, he is saying, I am the door of the sheep. So uh, in any single teaching, Jesus is, is not one single thing, right? He says, I am the good shepherd. I'm also the door. I'm also the gate. I'm also the vine. You know, <laughs> he is our Passover lamb and the shepherd. And we referenced this in our hymn last week, uh, how he is both the victim and the priest, right? Yeah. He is the that, lamb and the good shepherd. So that's also, uh, it, it calls back to me a, um, a Holy Week hymn, Ah, Holy Jesus, how hast mm. thou offended? Um, uh, lo, the good shepherd for the sheep is offered, mm. right? The slave yeah. hath sinned and the son hath suffered. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this only makes sense if we think of him as laying his life down as an offering for sin, um, not as just a moral example. So I want to point out you know, that, that as good shepherd, he, he is saying a lot of different things here. So Kirk, I don't have a gospel mic drop today, but if I don't <laughs> have one in content, perhaps I can have one in form and have a little crescendo and then a little diminuendo and boom, mic drop. It was great musical phrasing. I, I, I appreciate mm. that. Mm. Um, that was that was nice. Uh, so I've I've some I've some questions for you. Uh, so these uh, these I am statements, right? In um, this is this is intentionally echoing um, the the Yahweh's I am from the burning bush, right? So this mm -hmm. is a bold, scandalous assertion of divinity, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Um, so they give us insights into the divine character, right? Um, it's, it, it, it is divine self-revelation, right? So you have, I am the bread of life, right? Um, um, Jesus is the, is the true bread, the true food, right? Um, we will, I'll get hungry tomorrow morning after my bread tonight, right? Um, I'm the light of the world. I'm the door. I'm the resurrection and life. And then we get, um, this, I, I am the good shepherd. Um, and, so I was looking at the other the other readings, um, and there's Psalm 23, which we'll, we'll get to in a moment because that's beloved and it's it's worth noting. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also uh, the Old Testament reading. The Old Testament lesson, Christopher, is from Ezekiel, chapter 34. Which uh, I, I should note that we are not doing, um, and and simply because during uh, the Easter season. Uh, there's always the first lesson. There's always an option to do acts right. during the Easter season, right. and so so right. we are doing the acts uh, uh, reading. But um, but go ahead, tell us about but, the Old Testament reading is, from this Ezekiel. This is worth this is worth yeah yeah pointing out yep. because it's a it's a helpful contrast. And and I, I guess I didn't say like this is Good Shepherd Sunday. Like so, so there's all like theme around. Uh, it's all right. based around John chapter ten, and so that's why we have uh, Psalm twenty three. And then yeah. tell us about Ezekiel. So Ezekiel 34 begins, uh, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, mm. prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness 
you have ruled them. And it, it continues on in a similar scathing and rebuking manner. Um, I'm reminded, uh, Christopher, the world, our world in 2021, I, I don't know why that's suddenly a difficult word for me to say, our world is full of bad shepherds. Uh, corporations manipulate our desires and our appetites. Um, media addicts us to outrage. And I guess you might say media and corporations conspire together with really clever algorithms to manipulate our desires and appetites as well. Politicians and leaders promise the impossible, but yet demand loyalty. Mm. Um, and these are all people that we give a lot of money, a lot of fealty. We argue for on their behalf with our friends. Um, and they are all false shepherds. They do not love us. They do not have our best interest at heart. And they would not lay down our lives for us. Um, but they are, all they are all shepherds nonetheless. They are leading us. And they pen us into folds into which we did not perhaps initially intended, intend to be penned. Um, and so it's uh, the adjective good. Um, when, I, when I see this, Christopher, I put the emphasis on that. I put the mm. emphasis on that adjective. Um, I, think, I picture him saying, I am the good shepherd. Mm. Oh, mm. you have many shepherds, but I am the good shepherd. Um, and I'm grateful that we do have a good shepherd. Um, because the thing is, I think, I think many of us aren't aware. I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about myself as well. We're not aware of the way in which we are shepherded. And that is, that is the nature of being sheep, right? <laughs> Do sheep mm. wake up one day and say, I'm going to spend today in that pen? No, <laughs> they're herded into that pen, right? And likewise, I think a lot of the pens that we are in, we did not intend to be in, but we have been herded into. And um, so we should, uh, we should listen to the voice <laughs> of the one who has our best interest for us, who loves us, and who has prepared a place for us um, with him one day. So that, that's all I, all I had, Christopher, for that. Yeah. But the Ezekiel passage, it's worth linking to. I think we should put that yeah. in the show notes, because it does continue on in impressive, thunderous manner against the shepherds of this world, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it's a really good insight to talk about how... Um, we're probably unaware of the ways that we have succumbed to secular leadership that we yeah. have, we have unconsciously been following a shepherd. Mm. That's not a good shepherd. And, uh, and uh, so I guess my prayer for, for each of us is, is for us to realize the ways um, that we've been unconsciously led into partisanship, into, uh, tribalism into just uh, materialism, uh, consumerism, I, I should say, um, and to, to try to consciously follow only one shepherd, the one uh, good shepherd that, that, there, that there is, and that's Jesus Christ. Kirk, did you want to say anything about Psalm 23? Yeah, oh, thank you. Thank you. I had, I had written that down, and, um, and Kirk, and I got, um, so, I got so excited I'm, about the Ezekiel passage. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of Psalm 23. Uh, I was wondering if if you could play "The King of Love, My Shepherd Is" um, as uh, one of the mid-segment songs. Oh, absolutely! The wonderful, wonderful hymn that uh, that is the 23rd Psalm. And um, to, yes, to, and in in our house, um, we like to call that the Yoda song um, because yes. <laughs> it's inverted yes. inverted grammar. The yes. King of Love, My Shepherd Is. Indeed, yes. <laughs> 
It's so good. Uh, Christopher, you had brought up um, a peculiarity of Anglicanism, um, which is uh, the Church of England's official Bible is the King James, uh, called the Authorized Version um, in, in England. And here we call it the King James. And that's the, the, the for American listeners, that's the, the, the version of the Psalm 23 that, that we know and love best, right? You and I talked about this a little bit in a, in a, in a text um, uh, conversation. Um, and that's the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul, etc. cetera. Um, but actually what's interesting for us is um, that's not the version that's in our prayer book, right? We have uh, the Coverdale and Sultry, you were yeah. you were like, what should we use? Because that is good as well. So I'll make sure I include a recording of that too. Um, and that that goes, the Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I can lack nothing. He shall feed me in green pastures and lead me forth beside the waters of comfort. And Christopher, I've come to, to love this more recently um, just because it's made it fresh and new. Um, for example, that, that verse two and lead me forth beside the waters of comfort. Um, that that uh, it, it, it calls back to me, um, the passage in Matthew, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I shall refresh you. <laughs> that our Lord is a source of, of refreshment and comfort um, when we are weary in soul um, to collapse into. Um, but um, I just want to encourage everyone, uh, spend some time in the 23rd Psalm. This is Good Shepherd Sunday, man. So, so bathe in it. It's great. That's a, I didn't I didn't really I didn't really have anything else. Okay, say, yeah. Like, hey, isn't the twenty third Psalm really great? Because it is really. It's great. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I mean, there are things that that uh, are overrated or overplayed or over. Uh, so twenty third Psalm is is well known because it's great. Um, I have searched on YouTube forever. I remember seeing a World War Two movie, Christopher from the nineties. There's so many great World War Two movies from the nineties. And um, I th I, I, in my head, I thought for a while that it's Memphis Bell. And I even went on YouTube and watched like an illegal version of Memphis Bell several years ago, <laughs> trying to find the spot. Um, but it's, uh, it's before a bombing, in my memory, it's before a bombing raid. Um, uh, it would either, either be from England bombing Germany or maybe a, a carrier group in the North Sea, um, American or British or both, or combined an allied bombing sortie. And, um, and as the pilots uh, are about to get into their planes, there's a priest there and everyone, everyone is kneeling and, and you see it. Maybe it's an ecumenical scene. One priest is giving communion and a Protestant pastor is leading a, a bunch of soldiers on their knees and they are, they are praying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And yea, though I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, which of course I have to think many a soldier um, has, uh, has had and prayed as they've, as they've been in battle when um, the Lord is their only, only guide as they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But man, you and I watch someone who is really walking through the valley of the shadow of death um, this past week, and that is Desmond Doss in Hacksaw Ridge. Mm.
So today for our culture segment, yes, we are going to talk about Hacksaw Ridge, the 2016 film directed by Mel Gibson, starring Andrew Garfield. And I know, Kirk, I'm aware of this. I'm self-aware, at least a little bit. I know that I'm known for spending so much time setting the table, but that by the time I actually get to the actual topic, that the listener and I love your table you, setting. It creates anticipation. <laughs> Are put to sleep. Uh, anyway, I want to say a few words about the context surrounding my viewing of this movie. Um, so, because context matters. So, like, I've known comedies that friends have recommended because they watched it in a crowded theater and everyone's laughing and having a good time. I watched the same movie at home alone and I cracked a smile a few times. You know, <laughs> like, it's, it's hard to... So, here's the context. I had just watched on Sunday uh, Martin Scorsese's Silence, which oh. is a powerful movie about faith and apostasy and God's grace in the midst of, pers- of, of, of uh, persecution. And this also starred Andrew Garfield and our church. We had a, a discussion on this. Um, on and during the discussion, yeah, uh, someone mentioned Hacksaw Ridge, um, that they loved Andrew Garfield uh, in that. And um, I already owned the movie at Hacksaw Ridge. I just hadn't gotten around to, <laughs> to watching it. Um, and also, it's I had on just HBO, it's on it's HBO, on HBO Max. Yep. Yes. <laughs> HBO Max. Um, <laughs> I had also just listened to a podcast where David French interviewed Kristen Dumay, author of a book called Jesus and John Wayne, and it was a really interesting interview uh, about. A, uh, Kirk, have you heard of this book? I have. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, like, with this, so, so uh, many of us Christians have seen our brothers and sisters in Christ not holding their nose and voting for Donald Trump, a candidate who stomps on nearly every value that Christians hold dear. Um, We saw our brothers and sisters vote enthusiastically for a candidate, Donald Trump, who is guilty of adultery and sexual assault and a daily assault on the truth. And many of us looked around and said, "How? Like, why is this man the champion of Christians? And so what Kristen Dumay tried can, to can do Can I just is, say something very parenthetical, clarifying? Sure. So what you're saying is um, it might be understandable to hold one's nose and cast sure. a ballot for Donald Trump, but for a Christian to enthusiastically do it is say, a Say, this is our champion. Yeah, it's a head scratcher. Yep, yep. And okay, so, continue. Uh, Jesus and John Wayne, she tried to sort of trace this back. And she actually says, like, I, th- I think she would say, well, it's, it's, it's perfectly explainable, and here's why. Um, and she points to, like, John Wayne, kind of this philandering, um, like, personally, like, this guy was a hero to the Christian back in the day that, like, this is, in fact, just a um, something that goes back in time. Anyway, they were discussing this um, this book, and and they, they got to a segment where they were talking about pop culture heroes in Christianity and just evangelicalism. So pop culture ideals for Christian masculinity, uh, this portrayal of masculinity that Christians can identify with. And um, Kirk, who would you say that most evangelicals would define as like, or did you listen to this interview? I didn't. I don't not. know if you. Okay. I didn't. Um. So they they brought up William Wallace. How this is like, an, and William Wallace isn't a particularly bad person. Like he's not like a. But like it's interesting that Christians are like this warrior is our cha- is like Christian masculinity. While um, Kristen Dumay pointed out that like many evangelical Christians, um, didn't like uh. 
what's his name? <laughs> Mr. Rogers. That they, they right. hated him. Like he's not masculine. Mm. Um, and so like, I think we could do another top uh, segment on masculinity at some point where we just discuss like why um, just the, the, the gentleness of, of Mr. Rogers is something to be mm-hmm. emulated. Right. Yeah. And, and um, so I, I would say like if in, so they, they had a really interesting discussion about this on the, on, in the interview with David French and, and there's a third person, uh, Sarah Isger. Um, I, I would merely suggest that maybe Ted Lasso might be a great example of sort of Christian masculinity of just like pure love. And uh, so anyway, uh, maybe I'll plant that seed, but yeah. Um, or another great one would be Desmond Doss. So like mm-hmm. all this, like all this stuff was circulating in my mind as I watched Tax Our Age. Oh, and one more thing. I was also chewing on the idea of nonviolence because a uh, listener and Anglican priest, David Ketter, friend of Kirk Haberman, yeah, I yeah. know through Kirk, uh, messaged me asking me about nonviolence and, and things like this. Um, so context always matters. And so this is like, this was my mindset, Kirk, going into this movie. And that's why it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like this movie hit me hard. So I understand if the listener has seen this movie and was like, it was good, but not great. For me, this, like, this seemed like one of the best movies I've ever seen. Cause I was like contemplating what yeah. a Christian like response to violence is oh, and no, how Christians it, ought to act in a violent world. My wife was just crying freely. Um, the, mm. It's, it's moral vision is so compelling and so powerful and we can get into that too. So I agree. You're not, you're not alone. It, 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 it packs a wallop, but continue. Yeah. yeah. Desmond Doss demonstrated one of the most beautiful ways of following Jesus. So a, a very quick, brief, a uh, very brief spoiler-free synopsis of the movie before we jump into spoilers. In case you, in case you're like me and don't like to know anything going in, yeah, um, so Desmond Doss is a is a young man coming of age during World War II who feels called to go to war along with with like his peers, country boy, like Lynch, country boy. Lynchburg, Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, and he's coming of age, and he's like, uh, though he um, is a self like he's a pacifist, nonviolence. He's like. It's not fair for other people to go and die. Like, I want to go to war, um, but I don't want to touch a weapon. So he's, he's like, I want to go to war as a medic. And there's a great quote. Um, I'm looking for it here. Uh, he said, while everybody else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it. With the yeah. world so set on tearing itself apart, it don't seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little bit of it back together. <laughs> and <clears throat> this movie was unbelievably powerful, Kirk. Is there anything else we can say before we jump to spoilers? Uh, yeah, I mean, a little bit about that. So so I found a, a, a quote from the real Desmond Doss. Um, not, yeah, not so, so it script. should be said that it's based on a true yeah. story. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and, and a lot of it is is very true to reality. There are a couple of things just for the sake of kind of um, dramatic tension that they change. But um, he says this, quote, my dad bought this Ten Commandments and Lord's Prayer illustrated on a nice frame. And I had looked at that picture of the Sixth Commandment, thou shalt not kill. There's a picture that had Cain and he killed his brother Abel. And I wondered how in the world could a brother do such a thing? I've pictured Christ for saving life. I want to be like Christ, go save in life instead of taking life. And that's the reason I take up medicine. Um, also, uh, a defining moment, Christopher, in Desmond's life that perhaps helped to further shape his attitude towards guns and violence um, was an incident that happened to him when he was a boy. His father and his uncle were drunk and got into a fight. 
and the movie has his father beating his mother, but it was actually his uncle, IRL. His father pulled a gun on his uncle, but his mom stepped in. She called the police and told Desmond to hide the gun. After doing so, Desmond returned just in time to see his father being loaded into a black police wagon in handcuffs. Desmond firmly believed that his father would have killed his uncle um, if his mother hadn't stepped in. And that is the moment he said he vowed would be the last time he would ever touch a gun. And the movie does a really good portrayal showing how it sickened him. Um, what, what, um, like the snake in the Garden of Eden, <laughs> that to him was what um, violence was. Um, it was truly um, kind of the root of misery in his life and in his family's life. And he also mentions as well his father's, this is a great line, his father's alcoholism, what he said, um, my dad came out of the Great War um, and he, he was a drunk and he tried to hide it for a while. And what does he say? He made, but it made him hard. Something like that, right? It made him hard. And you see that, you see his father loves his mother in his own broken way and loves his boys, um, but, he's, but, but war has broken his father. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and that, that's kind of that, that hovers once you say over all the relationships yeah. in his family mm -hmm. and, and colors Desmond's understanding of, of how evil seeps into human experience. Sure. And I think of Kirk, you and I were early um, enthusiasts in uh, history, with a particular interest in the Civil War. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking like elementary yeah. school. We watched Ken Burns yeah. Civil War and <laughs> toured right. the battlefields. And, and, and with the Civil War, like you see these uh, portraits of soldiers before the war, like very proudly wearing yes. their uniforms and like almost excited to go off to war. Um, not understanding the gruesome reality of yeah. bullets tearing through flesh of severed limbs. And um, so, so like, uh, there was no sense of, of, of this, uh, like, how about you Thomas Doss's monologue his... about that? How pretty the uniforms look. Is that where you're going? No, I was, I was going to say just like early on in the film, you see his father go to uh, the cemetery. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like, look at the graves of, of like the people that he had gone to world war one with. And like, right. and there's some narration or something about how, like he was, you know, the people that he went off to war with didn't come back with him. And, yeah. and like there was, there's no, there's no delusions of like war is a gruesome thing. Right. Well, he has that, that great at dinner table rant where he's, where um, the eldest son shows up for dinner yeah. um, in his new uniform. Cause he's been to the, he's come from the recruiter's office. Right. Yeah. And his father, it, it breaks his father's heart because yeah. they're Seventh-day Adventists, they're pacifists. Um, they've got his whole experience. He's obviously has PTSD and he's a drunk because of it. And it's kind of broken him and, it, and it's a tension in the family. Right. And yeah. he sits down and his father kind of goes into the slow tailspin where he's like, that's a mighty fine uniform, man. You look real pretty in that uniform. My buddies, my buddies look real nice in that uniform. You know what? By the time they came back, they didn't look real nice in that uniform no more with those bullets shredded. Right. Do you remember that? He yeah. kind of goes into yeah. this tailspin. Um, kind of like that uniform looks nice. They thought the, the women loved them in that uniform and that uh, they didn't look nice when the war was done with them. But yeah. And in the book, Jesus and John Wayne, it's, it's interesting how John Wayne played this kind of John Wayne who did not go to war. Right. Right. And I'm trying to remember the details of that. Like uh, it was a bit cowardly, but he played, but he, but he played a courageous man on TV. And in fact, some people went off to war inspired by him and came back. And like one man, I think you talk about um, 
you, you compared our, our friend, uh, the Reverend Joe Gasberry to the Ethiopian eunuch. One man, <laughs> one man came home a eunuch losing, uh-huh. um, this is from the book, uh, Jesus and John Wayne, losing uh, uh, his, his uh, testicles to, to war. Um, and, and like said, I gave this for my country and for John Wayne, like, what did it get me? Like, mm-hmm. and, and so th- there, there's kind of a, a moral reckoning there of, of the cost of like, of uh well it's just a reckoning of like war is violent and horrible and um let let us not too enthusiastically um send our boys off to war um so what's the what's the robert e lee quote it is it is well that war is the war is bloody lest we love it too much Mm. there's something about i mean why christopher why did you and i just instinctively were you attracted to um, you know, histories of wars. It's, it's boys are we, I mean, war is like really fun to learn about. I love looking at, I love visiting battle sites. Um, you know, I mean, we, we had I buckets my, full of, we had buckets full of soldiers that we'd yeah, like line I up. I watch my children in the back room, yeah. our back room, yeah. backyard when they think no one's looking and they're reenacting battles. Yeah. We watch lightsaber battles. It's, it stirs something in us, but it's costly. Uh, yeah. So, so, okay. Um, this, this movie, uh, it could roughly, I think, probably be divided in half where the first half kind of sets the table mm-hmm. um, um, for the background of, of Desmond Doss and, and what influenced him. And and uh, he goes off to basic training. So this is the spoil the like, spoilers start here. So yep. pause it if, if you don't want spoilers and, and watch the movie. You won't be sorry. Um, goes off to basic training. Um, the recruiter essentially must have told him off screen that uh, he, he would not have to touch a gun, that he could right. train and be a medic. And so he goes off to basic training and trains with these men. And uh, when, when it comes to uh, t- time when they hand out the guns, he's, he refuses to touch one. At which point uh, the, the drill sergeant and those in, in authority at basic training the drill turn sergeant, on him. Wonderfully played by Vince Vaughn. One, he... he <laughs> Fantastic performance. Um, they, they turn on him. And they, so they try to um, make him scrub toilets, do whatever they can to get him kicked, to, to get him to quit. Um, and when that doesn't work, they punish the whole unit. And so the unit turns on him mm-hmm. and they beat him. And so in the, middle of, dies, the in the middle of the night, they wake him up and beat him up. He was beaten by those who were training with him. Um, and they assumed that he didn't want to touch a gun because he was a coward but they would come to find not until far later that that was could not be further from the truth they they punched him and they said why don't you fight back they assumed it was because he was a coward right Right. (laughs) not realizing that in fact it is far more courageous to not punch back to turn the other cheek to not repay evil for evil that 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 um defensiveness and that sort of thing is uh, that, that to be nonviolent is in fact the courageous thing. And uh, what an amazing uh, a testimony. And uh, anyway, should we talk about the, um, like he almost gets court-martialed and he sticks he sticks to his guns, no pun yeah. intended, to um, to not touch a gun, right. um, where they're, they're going to court-martial him and throw him in prison. And in fact, he misses his wedding. Like his bride is waiting for him on furlough. And they're like, You're, you can't go on furlough until you... We should probably skip skip over um, those details to get to um, Hacksaw Ridge on Okinawa. Mm-hmm. So they arrive in Okinawa, and if, um, they, they uh, 
there's kind of a last minute machination so that he does not have to be court-martialed and arrested. And he gets to go without touching a gun. And he's, he's a medic and they head into battle and they see that they must climb this ridge. And they see, what do they see coming as they're going towards the ridge? What do they see coming at them, Kirk? So the remnants of the 96th division and uh, um, so- <laughs> Trucks filled with bodies. Yeah, what it is what it, I had I had written down something that, that that's a really powerful. Okay, yeah. So, um, the camera hovers intentionally on the faces of the troops from the 96th division as they're carted back. So, like, um, uh, Dasa's division is marching toward the battle. Yeah, and they have to like step off the road so that these carts coming back. And these are men who are just clearly shell shocked. Some have their head bandaged. Others are missing limbs. Some of the bodies are just. Some of the trucks are just full of, of dead bodies. Bodies just stacked on each other. And yeah. and 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 at, at some point, somebody asks, "What is that?" And it's a and someone says like something quips like that used to be the ninety sixth, or something. So it's clear what lies ahead of them, right? Yeah, they're they're yeah. they're running into a bandsaw. Yeah, and um and Doss goes into that bandsaw, uh, without a gun. And not only that, um, he is warned by a medic who has been in battle. He said, take off your red, the red cross on you, marking yeah. you as a medic. They will aim for you. They will try to take you out. And so they, they, they go into battle. Um, yeah. I want to say more about that later. Okay. That's but, very interesting, but keep going. Yeah. So they go into battle and uh, so the, Desmond Doss, who was mocked and reviled and beaten and punched by his comrades that he goes into battle with um, seconds into battle. Like, I, I mean, they can't see they're going into battle. This is the first battle and there's just bullets flying at them, just carrying through their, their, uh, whatever their division, their, uh, what would their company their, platoon, their company, uh, yeah, whatever, whatever yeah. the unit was their unit. Yep. Yeah. Whatever their unit is called. Um, I mean, it is, it is decimated. Um, and like if to take defensive positions, but in fact, they're courageous and, and you see, uh, DOS, uh, very courageously, uh, and, and they essentially they make uh, it further win. than the 96th do yeah. right like yeah they, they win the day they had looked at a map and they're like where are the bunkers and they yep. make it to one of the bunkers and they, they got blow it up at great cost but they get there and, and night comes yep <laughs> and night comes and uh, Doss is sitting there in a foxhole um with newfound respect with like everybody who watched his courage but again there's the best is yet to come uh and uh kirk you go ahead um you you saw it more recently um yeah there's probably something between what i'm thinking of and and well uh, the movie portrays so well what what a friend of mine a military veteran a marine who did two or tours of dewey and fallujah um he once said you cannot tell in basic who will be mm. courageous beside you the kid the kid that you did not expect mm. suddenly when the bolts are flying will be like He's got a paper clip and like something else he picked up. And he's like, let's charge that ridge. Mm. And some buff dude will, will have peed his pants and will be hiding behind something else. And the movie so well portrays that, right? Christopher, like one of the, one of the guys who is like kind of a workout warrior, um, it, it turns out to be a total coward. And Desmond mm -hmm. Doss, who's like mocked as, what do they call him? Cornstock? <laughs> Cornstock. Yeah right cornstock is like doesn't like doesn't care he, all he wants to do is to preserve save life. his body yeah. preserve life yeah. right so that that is that is so well portrayed mm -hmm. um but but um there's that 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 uh that scene at night um is a great um it's a great moment where one of the one of his his uh tormentors at basic training 
yeah. says, um, I grew up, you know, uh, in, in, a, in an orphanage and I mm. had to learn really early in life how to read people. Mm. Well, I read you wrong. Um, and, uh, and he, he goes and later on, he actually makes a point Desmond Doss does of going back and saving this guy. Well, anyhow, um, the Japanese the next morning, um, they counterattack because they've, they have the high ground, right? So, um, and they've got all sorts of underground tunnels that, oh, that, yeah, yeah. Like that they didn't anticipate. Yeah. So here's the rough thing about Okinawa, um, is, uh, it was, there's this, it's called the Maeda escarpment. Uh, I'm making gestures like you can see an escarpment. There's just this, um, enormous sheer bluff. Um, mm -hmm. that rises from the, the coastal plain. Um, and they had to literally climb ropes to get up onto that bluff. Yeah. And so once you're up there, there's no way of kind of being reinforced um, other than like the ships from the harbor, like bombing, like ha helping you that way. There, there's no other way of getting help. Um, so, so the Japanese counterattack and they are pushed all the way back down. They do a full retreat. Full retreat. Uh, totally abandoned. Like no. all the ground they gained, they lose. They lost all of the ground. And Doss literally can't believe it. And um, he's the last one down. And he pauses at the top of the, of the escarpment. Um, and he looks down. And then he looks back at the total pointless loss of life. And he asks this request. He prays, out loud prays, Lord, I can't hear you. Mm. What do you want from me? What do you want from me? And suddenly he hears behind him a man groan. Christopher and I gasped mm. because um, I was reminded of Matthew 25 um, uh, when, when, um, when uh, Jesus says, uh, let's see. What you did what for the least say? of these, you did for me? Yes. When you fed the, the hungry. Verily you know. I say unto you, in so much as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And so, Lord, I can't hear you. And he hears a brother in arms groan. Yeah. Mm. And he begins what we as the viewer were like, what is like he insane? He's literally the only soldier up there. And he. Well, yeah. Well, and he's. And like everybody's retreated and they see him go back and they're like, you're insane. Or. And so he goes back into like danger and um, he saves one guy. And, and he's he drags, like, well, how do I, how do I get him down? The guy to the ridge, to the edge of the escarpment. <laughs> and he's like, what do I do now? And he picks up a rope and it's a callback to a funny moment yeah, in basic yeah, training, right? Yeah. Where he had accidentally created a knot because like he did a poor job <laughs> in like yes. making the knot he was supposed to make. And it's, it's a funny moment in the movie, right? It's a great callback joke. But that like stupid fail knot is actually a way that he can loop it around these soldiers' legs who have been incapacitated. And drop and him like 80 feet down this cliff, yeah. like like <laughs> bit by bit. And he and he says to himself a prayer, please, Lord, help me get one more. Yes. And he goes back into <laughs> danger. And like, meanwhile, there, there are Japanese soldiers like stabbing and shooting anything that moves. And total, he is- Total denial, like violation of Geneva Conventions, which I want to talk about in a moment. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but but like he goes back in what I'm saying is like this he goes back to danger. It's not like yep. this is an abandoned battlefield. He goes back into danger like each any any one of those times he could have been shot and killed. And in fact there's one time where he has to hide under a body and he covers up yeah. a um like somebody who is uh covers him up with dirt cuz like they're stabbing things, they're shooting bodies that are that are that are not moving, just making yeah. sure they're, they're that they're dead. And in fact the body rolls on top of him, they stab that and and the knife goes through and stabs him and he has to like 
yeah. hold in the, the scream from himself. Yeah. Um, one body at a time, Kirk. He saves 75 people. Yeah. And you could see him like his hands are bloody from like lowering the rope down. Yeah. He's exhausted because this is yeah. gr- like difficult labor. And he says every time, every time he is at the, at the end of his strength. <laughs> and he says, please, Lord, he's slumped down. Like, help me get one more. His hands are bloody from, from handling the ropes. Kirk, so- he falls into a tunnel <laughs> yeah. and, and he's escaping these Japanese people. And he comes upon a, a wounded Japanese man. <laughs> And what does he do for him? He says, he gives you'll him be okay. He gets he gives some him gauze. morphine and he, he stops it. Morphine. He gives him gauze. <laughs> yeah. So he's there not to take life. He he's going to save life. Japanese as well, in addition yes. to um, uh, uh, 70 some Americans. So, um, and the reason they're saved is, is just to keep an eye on the ridge to make sure actually the, the Japanese don't repel down the ridge and attack their base on, on the coast. Um, to the two guys that are sitting there, like what? They see a body lowered. <laughs> They're about to shoot him, thinking the Japanese have begun to come down the escarpment. Um, and they call back to camp and they 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 get jeeps to start taking these these people back. And they're like, what is happening? They're like, we don't know. And finally they figure out it's Doss up there. So finally Doss comes down. Doss comes back to the medical tent, and all these people are looking at him, gazing at, at him as if they're they're looking upon um, uh, looking upon Jesus. Right, like this is the, the their savior, um, and 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 what does Das do? Instead of like drinking in the adulation and the praise, he weeps over one that died, a fellow medic that died because um, he didn't get enough plasma. Um, he weeps over the the sheep that lost. Right, I mean yeah. that's a Christ-like moment. Leaps over weeps over the one sheep that got away. So um, it's funny. Uh, he's asked the one of the officers who had ridiculed him mm. frankly persecuted him who was yeah. there um, um to testify at the court martial um comes to him essentially metaphorically on his knees saying um our counterattack is tomorrow is saturday which is your sabbath um and i'm so sorry um but you are to these men they they will not go up there without you he's he's acquired this talismic <laughs> quality to the men and so there's a cut, a scene cut, right? And it cuts to the next day where the men are all lined up in formation. And uh, that same officer has to ex- explain to some <laughs> an unseen officer in exasperation asking what the delay is. And uh, he says, um, sir, we're waiting and we're not going. On, uh, and, and they're like, why? The, off- the unseen officer, like, blah, 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 why? And he's like, until, uh, until uh, Medic Das is done praying. And the camera swings over, and um, Das has got to get through his his Sabbath prayers first, and um, the soldiers are happy to wait. Mm. <laughs> you see, uh, uh, um, the 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 princes of this world have to bow the knee to the true Prince of Peace. Um, it's a re- remarkable moment. Um, set aside Seventh Day Adventism for for a moment here, and they go back up and they take the ridge, Christopher, and we're we're running out of time. Kirk, Kirk, yeah, I just want to pause right there to to just talk about um, just briefly. We get obsessed with stupid things like culture wars that yeah. we want to win victory through power, um, but it was not through power that Desmond Doss won over um, these men, right? Amen. Um, that it was through weakness and through yep. service. And um, we would do well to remember that. To, when we let our light shine before others, 
so that they may see our good works and glorify our father who's in heaven. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about like winning um, the culture war about having like liberal tears. No, no. Yeah. So I just want to insert that. Go on. Yeah. 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 So so I I guess there's so many things that I, Christopher, that I had shared with you, but, but perhaps this might be a good place to, to highlight the sharp contrast between the Christian, the Christian ethic and the Christian moral vision and the world's ethic. Because Mm. um, I, if a lot of guys went through a teenage fascination with samurai culture and the Bushido code. Um, and here we see that there is, there's a diabolical nature to it. And mm. it is just in utter contrast to, um, to the, to the ethic, uh, to the Christian ethic. And, and I, I think um, we've maybe lost an understanding of our Christian heritage. The medic badge that he had to take off is a cross. It's a red cross. <laughs> All that is good and right and just in the Geneva Convention and war conventions comes from a Christian ethos. Do not shoot healers. Do not shoot those who help, right? Which the Japanese did not honor, right? They thought it was unmanly and a sign of weakness. Another movie, if you want to watch where you see this highlighted is The Bridge Over the River Kwai, mm-hmm. in which the, um, the head of it, have you seen this, Christopher? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Saito, the head of the concentration camp, literally throws the, the Geneva Conventions in Alec Guinness's face and said, like, this is weakness. No, it's not weakness. It is mercy. And we have an ethic of mercy. <laughs> and even in the midst of ugliness and blood, um, no, we stop and we, for, to protect those who's, who are vulnerable and who can't protect themselves. And, and, and uh, I, I think, um, what, did I, what did I write here? Um, uh, I wrote something about this. Oh, yeah. So um, for, for those who wish to criticize, um, those who may secretly root against the U.S. right now in mm. great power conflicts because, of our, because our racial sins have morally compromised us or made us unredeemable should be reminded of what sorts of powers have in the past vised to rise up and replace us in a, in a moral vacuum. Um, we, uh, we stand on the shoulders. We are heirs of a Christian ethic that should not be taken for granted. <laughs> um, the, the, the power that wishes to replace us um, right now is culling uh, Muslims in Western China, right? China seeks to replace us and they do not share our ethic of mercy and toleration and a vision of mutual flourishing among multi, uh, multiple religions and multiple um, ethnicities. So uh, that, I, I just wanna kind of make that, that brief point that, uh, there. Um, Christopher, I, I, I had another question, kind of a hypothetical question that obviously we can't answer in three minutes here, mm-hmm. but must Christians be pacifists? Um, that is, are we, we, could, we couldn't answer that in an hour, Kurt. Right. So the question is, but this is just the question. Um, sure. So Jesus called to turn the other cheek. Is that scalable, right? Do that, does that scale up to the level of a nation state, right? Um, do the Beatitudes, do they apply to nation states, right? And um, here's, and, and Desmond doesn't try to answer that question, right? Right. It's interesting. He doesn't have a, a grand, grand overarching philosophy, um, he tried to explain to the army that he still wanted to be in the military and to do his part, right? So he's not anti-military. Right. Um, 
he said he wasn't a conscientious objector. Right. Uh, he says, I want to be a conscientious cooperator. So it's interesting. He believed that the war was justified. He was appalled by Pearl Harbor, mm -hmm. <laughs> but that killing was wrong nevertheless. So he didn't try to solve the world's problems and have dorm room conversations late at night. All he wanted to do was to help in the way that he could. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I just found that remarkable. Yeah. And I mean, you know, just war theory is, it is a result of, of, of sort of Christian ethics. Not everyone agrees with that and, it, and, and there are issues with it, but like uh, it can be summed up in that famous Edmund Burke quote, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And so, yeah. I mean, this is why some Christians support military action um, to, as a defense of, of, of the weak um, in a sinful world where um, there's true evil um, yeah. that, that in World War II, the Japanese um, empire was, was evil. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, one only need to study uh, sm like small microcosms of that, the rape of Nanking. And, yeah. you know, we only need to learn a little bit about that um, or, or um, <laughs> everyone knows what the Holocaust and some of the evils of Nazism. Uh, I want to say one thing before we close, Kirk. Um, obviously, the, the, so it's based on a true story. Doss received the Medal of Honor, um, which is interesting for a conscientious objector. Right. Uh, to and uh, certainly the first and perhaps the last conscientious objector to receive the Medal of Honor. Uh, and they, Mel Gibson adjusted um, this and that to make it work as a movie. And it really works mm -hmm. as a movie. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but what's remarkable is that he omitted some things from the film because he felt that the audience would not find the truth believable. Like Doss was that amazing. Um, so at the end, he is shot and placed on a stretcher uh, and carried off, off the field of battle. Kirk, did you see this? That he actually had another wounded man take his place in the stretcher in real life? Oh, I didn't see that. Um, and after treating uh, uh, that soldier, a sniper shot... <laughs> Doss's arm, and he crawled 300 yards to safety after being left alone for five hours. I mean, so, I mean, what he endured is, is unreal, unreal. And I'm sure he prayed to the Lord and um, the Lord gave him strength. Um, we, we have so many things that we could talk about with this notes that you and I wrote down that we'll never get to. So I just have one final, a final takeaway, which is um, the matter of Mel Gibson at his age he's making the movies that he wants to make at this point. So there, there are people that are kind of done with him. And I think he, he seems to be a man, a, a flawed man who's at peace with where he is. Um, so this movie contains two strong Mel Gibson fingerprints. Number one, intensely bloody violence and a real Christian vision of mercy for sinners. And somehow the two really work together mm. <laughs> to make a really compelling film. So I would say, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. And prepare to be entertained in spite of yourself and moved. Shall we end in prayer? Let's. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. O God, whose son Jesus Christ is the good shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech you, O Lord, and by your great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of your only Son, our Savior, 
Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk. Next week.